This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here in West Palm Beach, Family Church in South Florida, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, also pastors Steve Scalisi and Thomas, and our engineer, Carly Silman. And we're talking about what it was like, because this past Sunday, we reopened for the first time in five months, and to get our people back together face-to-face, 10 of our 12 campuses reopened. And so we have representation from several of those campuses here. So Leslie, I know that Todd is one of your pastors at Family Church Sherbrooke. Mm -hmm. And you were there. And Steve, you're at Family Church Jupiter. Mm -hmm. I happen to be at Family Church downtown. So let's talk about what happened when we reopened. Leslie, how did it feel to be back in church? We did it. And I have to confess, all right, because I don't know if I've really confessed this very many times, that I really wasn't super excited about going back to church in a mask. Wow. Because, you know, and we have in Palm Beach County, we have a mask mandate. And so I really, in my heart, I was like... You know, I really like worshiping at home and, you know, we're thinking about watch parties. We talked about that last week and that sounds like an appealing option. And so I I wasn't hesitant to go, but when I went, I was surprisingly just overwhelmed to be back together with our church family and it felt so good and it felt like we were home and of course Pastor Todd and Pastor Jimmy Muir at our campus I mean they did such a great job of just making it feel like a family reunion and seeing all the half faces we could (laughs) still recognize everybody it was really good to see everybody. Yeah. So Steve, how did you feel? Because you were at Family Church Jupiter. What was it like? Yeah. So I thought it was going to be weirder just based on conversations with people than it actually was. You know, seeing the masks was a little a little different, a little, a little weird, but kind of we got through that probably in the first 10 or 15 minutes of people showed up early. That's a first. People got their seats. We had people helping people find seats. And I mean, it was a little muted. Our worship pastor, it was a wonderful guy named Tyler Sherrod. He said he could tell people were really singing. It was a little muffled, but you could tell people were really into it. And, and I mean, it really was. And I felt like when I spoke, people were engaged. The only thing I could see were their eyes. So I could tell if they were sleeping were they or not. Open? They were open. Yeah. So that's, that's all nice. I know. So I was pretty happy. Yeah, so I, I, was, I was like, this is nice. This is nice. Okay. Right. I think I could go for this. Good. Todd, what was your experience? Because you were leading worship. You're overseeing the entire campus at Family Church Sherbrooke. What was it like? It was a great experience. So the hurdles that we were dealing with are different than some of our other campuses. Jupiter has this in common. We're in the middle of a construction project. So until Friday before Sunday, we didn't know where we were going into the building. So we were like, it was either going to be, hey, step through this big pile of mud. You're going to have to crawl through a forklift. And then when you see the porta potty, go in the door next to it. Well, that's not actually, we got sidewalks poured on Friday. Wow. So we were able to enter the building. Big help. It was a huge help. So the thing that was nice for us was we had the momentum of people seeing the construction and getting to walk in kind of the new entrance. And it wasn't as weird as I thought it was mm-hmm. either. People were just happy to be there. 22 weeks not being together, you could see how much it meant to people to just be in a room, singing to the Lord, doing a Bible study together, taking the Lord's Supper together in person again after you know five, six months was really, was really special to them. Well, one of the things that I'm 
curious because a lot of our listeners have already reopened a long, a long time ago. Some of them have been open. So let's talk about our attendance. So we didn't really know what to expect when we got people back together. We're in South Florida. It's the epicenter of the epidemic. How did you feel, Leslie, to be in the room? What was it like? Well, we are at a smaller campus. I mean, we're building a building because <laughs> our room is not very big. And so on a normal Sunday, pre-COVID Sunday, our room seats 140 adults. And so we had, what, 95 yeah, chairs? 95 chairs out. And we had 86 people. So our mm-hmm. room felt pretty full. Some people felt like a little too full. Mm-hmm. But I felt like we were, I mean, we were masked. The rows were further apart most people that were sitting together, in my opinion, seemed like they were family or close enough friends to be family because some of our people really hang out a lot together. So I think in South Florida, a lot of people, even if you're not going out in large crowds, there's kind of a limited group of people that you are comfortable gathering with. And Mm -hmm. some of those are your church family. Mm -hmm. So some of these people have probably been seeing each other outside of church. And so they're comfortable sitting together. So for Sherbrooke, it felt really good. Our volunteers took cues too. They knew the room was kind of getting full. So they just, we kept the lobby doors open and they stood out there and we're completely fine with that. We will add another service. So instead of doing just one, we'll do two to make that even more comfortable for any guest that wants to come through our doors. So they know we're taking every measure we can to make sure it's a safe and worshipful experience for them. We normally have 190 chairs, so very similar. And we took out 50, we left 140. We had about 110, 112 people there. And it was just about right as far as we had the space in between. And I think people felt comfortable. Uh, We had overflow preps made, but we didn't have to use them. And we're going to stick with one service this week and and because we felt like we had another maybe 20, 25 places we could seat people in the overflow. Yeah. So at Family Church downtown, that's our largest building. It's our largest campus. So we have, I think about, I think we have about 850 seats, but it's in pews in our auditorium. And I think we had 300 and... 75 people or so in the auditorium in one service. And we blocked off every other pew. People were socially distanced and masked, of course. And really, it was too full. So we figured out, we think our number is about like 275 or 300. So we probably had like maybe 100 too many people in the room. So we're going to have another service next week and see if that but again, as what we've experienced around the country, as we've talked to our friends, a lot of them that reopened, they reopened big because, you know, everybody had been in church for five months. So it's like Easter. Everybody mm-hmm. all came on one Sunday. Who knows what happens this this coming Sunday? One of the things I'm curious about, though, Leslie, if you looked at what happened at Sherbrooke, what do you think were some of the challenges that you experienced or that you observed, things that we'll correct for next week? Well, I do think the distance for some people, they weren't completely comfortable feeling like the room was too full. So Mm -hmm. obviously we have to correct that because we do want people to feel like they're coming into, we're not saying safe because I don't think we're comfortable guaranteeing people's safety in this environment, but we want them to feel comfortable like they're coming to a place that is making an effort to minimize the potential impact. So I think we're going to have to make that correction. Can we tell people not only you have to wear the mask, but you have to wear it right. And what do you mean by that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But some people, you know, you just see like the mask is kind of under the chin. It's under the <laughs> nose. So, I mean, some of the challenges, you know, that come with are somebody, we didn't have this, I don't think, at, at our campus, but people who might not want to wear the mask who might, you know, buck up against that. So hopefully we might have to prepare to address that in the future, but we didn't have to. I will say that one of the really sweet things that I liked at our campus, and Pastor Todd, you did this, 
with the singing, we had, you know, our chapel service that we talked about in previous episodes, our plan to have scaled back worship. So you led that. We sang two hymns and a couple times. You even stopped playing and just let us sing, which I feel like is a risky thing to do. But it really sounded good. People were singing. You could tell that people were participating. And that just really makes it feel like everybody wanted to be there and they were excited to be there and they weren't afraid to just praise God, even though we don't have a big, you know, band behind them. Steve, what are some things that you guys learned at Jupiter? We probably have to do a little bit of a better job of welcoming people in the room. So we normally have this, and this goes across all of our campuses. We have a very welcoming, warm place. I just think we were a little thrown off. You know, we we had signs that were ready. Yeah, doing a touchless welcome is difficult. It's a yes, and so you're trying to be friendly, but not too friendly. And right. we just didn't really probably do that very well. We'll do better this week, and we'll do better the following week, and so on. And then also just we're sanitizing things every 30 minutes. We were probably a little off on that, you know. And so just we'll get into the rhythm with of that. And I think that's why it's great we're doing this for the month of August and getting good at it before we move forward. Another thing that we're keeping in mind, and I think a lot of our neighborhood churches are trying to figure this out, is how to get people seated so that you can make the most of the space you have. Our size at Jupiter and Sherbrooke, if we don't seat people, then we're going to run out of spaces to put people very, very quickly because we strategically need to be placing people in the room. If not, everyone's going to lean towards staying in the back of the room, you know, if they brought their kids, and then you're going to be challenged to even see people as maybe guests come through or, or folks come a little bit late because the room's just going to be really off if you don't help seat when you're already limiting the amount of seats you have in the building. One of the things that I've observed at our campus downtown and heard stories about at other campuses as well is sometimes we have people, Steve, who actually welcome people maybe too warmly. And so there are certain people that maybe it seems like overly excited, maybe overly physical about getting in people's space. And I can't ever tell whether these people are just like not self-aware or if they're making a statement. And so I'm curious, you know, Todd, how would you recommend we handle that if that happened like with a greeter who was too aggressive yeah. or, you know, whatever? One thing we're doing is we do have a little bit of a statement disclaimer type of thing at the very top of the service where we're encouraging people to not initiate contact. Just say, hey, yeah. wave at your friends. Give them a big smile. They know you're smiling under the mask. They can see you know, your eyes squinting. They know you're doing that. They know you love them, but don't initiate contact because we don't know everyone's comfort level. They don't know where you've been and you don't know where they've been. And so you know, just take that extra measure. And I don't think many people are pushing back unless they really are socially unaware. Jimmy yeah. Muir said we're supposed to do the double tap peace sign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he brought that back. I don't, uh, that might be, it might have been a one hit wonder on Sunday. We <laughs> yeah, threw in the give kiss. Him, give, him the, give him the peace sign. Give grace him a wave. Grace and peace to you. You know, yeah, grace and peace. You know, this is not the time for the holy kiss. Okay. So I think people are, are handling it well, though. What were your all's experiences at Jupiter in downtown? It, very similar. So we had a meeting beforehand and just reminded people that. And, and from what I can tell, I didn't get any emails or any any phone calls or texts that said, hey, somebody was over aggressive. So I think our people did a good job of giving people distance. And I did have a, a lady come up and say, I haven't seen you. I got to give you a hug. So it was a parishioner. And I said, all right. I gave her the famous side hug, you know, and, and <laughs> life was good. So, but other than that, it was it was okay. I know. It's funny when people say, I just have to hug you. Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> what if I think you have germs? <laughs> <laughs> like you have to hug. So what is it? I don't even know. Right. But anyways, I personally... As I'm looking at all of this, I think we just have to keep 
very on top of how people are feeling because Mm -hmm. we definitely have a slice of people in the room who are like diehard, like Trump supporter, like Fox News watching, like this is a joke and a hoax and invented by, you know, whatever, the Chinese or whatever. And so they just want to hug everybody, touch everybody, take off the mask, and they're mad that we have masks, whatever. But that's just a slice. I think it's a pretty small slice, but maybe like 10%. Then we have a group on the other end that is going to show up to church, but like they are terrified. They are literally terrified. So they're like, hey, somebody just, you know, somebody got within my six-foot bubble right now, and I saw somebody with a mask, and it wasn't, you know, one of the nostrils peeked out, and I just, so they're concerned. And I just think we have to recognize that most of the people are in the middle. I mean, most of the people are kind of just doing the best they can, trying to be safe, but trying to be reasonable. One of the things I would just say is, I think it's important what you said a second ago, Todd, that we have to seat people. I think seating people is a big deal. People will stack in the back. Well, if you're trying to keep social distance, it means you can't let people stack in the back. You've got to push people to the front. And so really, you better design a system. And I would say for all of our listeners, churches of any size, design a system that allows you to escort people and basically seat them, assign them a seat. And you also can't allow people to plop themselves on the end seat every time. Like mm-hmm. everybody wants to, you know, defend the end seat like it's the Alamo. Yep. And, you know, you guys got to move right now. I mean, this is not the moment for people to stake out their territory. And I just would encourage church leadership like we have at all of our campuses. You know, this is not the time to allow obstinate people to prevail. So if you have stubborn antagonistic or whatever people, we want to be kind to them and encouraging to them and polite to them. But Somebody comes in and says, hey, you can't make me wear a mask. We actually can, and we will. You know, this is my seat, and you can't make me move. Well, we actually can. I mean, not that we want to force people to do things they don't want to do, but I just think that we just have to encourage people. This is, this is not the moment to dig in on your own rights. This is the moment to think about other people. So, And I love it because we actually had at one of our campuses, we had a deacon who's a wonderful guy, great businessman, good man. But uh, he was upset that he had to wear a mask. But his pastor at his campus lovingly and respectfully encouraged him to wear a mask and he did it. And even by the end of the day, he told him, he said, you know what? I hate this. I think this is dumb that I have to wear a mask, but there might be someone who comes to our church who's going to feel uncomfortable if they see me without it. So I need to wear it. That's the answer is thinking of others. And I just think that if we can train our people and train ourselves, let's not think about ourselves right now. Let's think of other people. How can we protect other people? And even more, even if you think the mask don't really protect you, how can we help other people feel better about being here. And I think people have that good posture. Especially for a 45-minute window. One of the things that we've done with these family reunion chapel services, we've abbreviated our services. So even if you're really mad about wearing the mask, you're wearing it for 45 minutes if you went to Publix or whatever your grocery store is that week. And so you can do it for a 45-minute church service if you really want. Ours was almost an hour because I preached too long. Derek Derek told me. (laughs) And you see he's not on the podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing we say often here, Pastor Jimmy, is that sheep need shepherds. Yeah. And we think about that like with milestones or marriage counseling or grief counseling. But pandemic, coronavirus, they need our wisdom and encouragement right now to do the right things and you know, walking through all of this, who else are they going to hear the kind of encouragement they need to hear right now, but from their pastors? Mm-hmm. And so those little statements where we talk about, hey, let's for 45 minutes, let's prefer our brothers and sisters in yeah. Christ, just wear the mask or other things that have to do with this whole thing. Hey, you're not going to agree with everybody politically about what this is, you know, what's happening right now, but hey, you know what? You're unified in Christ. So let's, let's take a deep breath on that and let's get through a worship service and enjoy being together. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they need a shepherd. 
No, no doubt about it. The other thing that I think actually worked pretty well is we scaled back our music a little bit. And singing is one of the most dangerous activities, they think, for COVID spreading. And how'd you guys feel like that went over, Steve, where you were at? I thought it was great. I always I always like to say, and I think any of our guys that lead worship, uh, we could say this, but you give them a keyboard, a guitar, and a phone book, and you'd be, you, you just sing the phone book, and you'd be <laughs> excited. And But I think, it, you know, we've had those kind of sets before anyway. We're kind of doing acoustic set and mm-hmm. a little more, little more toned down. But man, I'm, our people were so glad to be out of the house after 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. They were glad to sing. We, we sang easy songs. And so I thought it went very, very, very well. Our people loved it. Well, let's talk about kids. Because let's see, one of the things that you told me mm-hmm. is you said, hey, at, at Sherbrooke, we had a lot of kids. Yeah. How did I, that feel to have all those kids in the room? They're usually in kids worship. I know. I, I would be curious to hear what happened at the other campuses who was in the room. I was surprised that we had as many kids as we did at Sherbrooke. But it's fine. Again, this is a you know family reunion, family dinner, worship experience. And so Pastor Jimmy did a good job incorporating the kids into what was happening in the room. And you know they made some kid noises, but it was not distracting. It was fine. I really honestly think it just contributed to the feeling that everybody just was glad to be there. And mm-hmm. nobody minded that there was some people making some you know, sounds that maybe they shouldn't be making or saying, you know, talking. I do feel bad for the parents, though. That would be my only concern. I mean, from the standpoint of somebody who doesn't have little kids, I was perfectly fine. I can see how a mom or a dad would be stressed out, you know, kind of trying to keep your kids tamped down. But we did do 51 minutes. We didn't quite do 45, right? Oh, yeah, 50, 50, 50, 50. Wow. Oh, oh <laughs> truth coming out. But I it mean, was, it was the I preacher. have to say, like my husband said to me, because <laughs> we've been, been talking. a long time, man. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. We're talking about family reunion chapel services and we get home. George did come with me, which he wasn't sure he was going to, but he did. And then he said, what made it a chapel service? And I said, well, you didn't notice it was it was shorter. We it was only Todd on his guitar. And I mean, but honestly, for him, it just felt like church. Yeah. So we're glad to let our kids sit with you next time. If you okay. want that experience. I'll take them. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Steve? Did you guys have kids? We did. We had a good number. I think 13 kids, elementary and, and younger. And, you know, we had little activities for the older young kids. And so that seemed to work well. And then, you know, you had a couple of little, you know, a couple of episodes where the two-year-old makes a little noise. But again, I think our people are, they just understand most of those people have had kids. They, they know the feeling and, and everybody, and people always think it, it distracts me as the preacher. Nah, I, I don't, it's just white noise. They don't know how all. ADD you are. Yeah, exactly. They don't know the 97 <laughs> things that are already going on in my mind that, I'm, that I've got to suppress. So really yeah. not, not a problem. Well, I think that's good. And, and Leslie, you and Carly, you guys have designed some great things. So we actually have a little packet for kids with crayons and notes for kids of different ages. And we also have, you know, our kids worship is already pre-recorded. So one of the things we've encouraged parents of children to do is uh, bring a tablet, bring a phone, bring some headphones. And while the pastor's having the Bible study, if the kids aren't able to listen to that, maybe they watch Treehouse Takeover. And, you know, one of the things uh, some of our listeners might say, oh, wow, awesome. So you guys have like a broadcast kids worship. Wow. Well, you know, actually, it's on YouTube and any of you guys could listen. I mean, feel free to use it if you want. And it's good. It's biblical stuff. They, they, it's, you, you should go on YouTube, check it out because you and your kids might benefit. And we would love for you to use it. You don't have to ask our permission. You can print the link in your bulletin anywhere you want and use our Treehouse Takeover, and it's good biblical content for kids. And it's interesting. It's funny. They use multimedia and puppets, and it's 
it's really awesome. And so I think we've done a good job trying to take care of kids because they're going to probably be in the services for a while because in Palm Beach County, we still don't have kids in school. Yeah. And so I think until the kids go back to school, it's unlikely large numbers are going to put their kids in uh, child care. Now, Leslie, a few weeks ago, we talked about how we opened at Port St. Lucie. You remember mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. And remember how many kids we had that weren't the staff kids? Zero. Yeah, we had zero kids, which is, again, what I like to say, a very low number. It's It's, the lowest. It's it's the lowest number that we've ever had. And so uh, we had zero kids. But I will say after three weeks this week, we had uh, over 20 kids. Mm -hmm. So maybe just having the kids worship and having the programming available is encouraging. But the other thing, everybody's pushed school back a little bit because of COVID. Maybe people are back in the groove because the back to school thing's just been kind of staggered a little bit from what it normally is. I don't know. We're going to find out, but I'm excited about all of that. Hey, as you think about our listeners, Todd, if there's one thing that you think they could learn from what we've experienced at Family Church reopening, what would that be? I would say don't feel like you have to create this enormous production if you're just ready to start going back. You can like ease into it and scale it back. People already know things aren't normal. So if you want it to feel like it felt at the end of February, you're spitting in the wind. So it's okay that things are different and your people might actually appreciate something scaled back that's kind of more in tune with the tone of everything else going on in society. Good. How about you, Steve? I'd echo that, but also, and you said something earlier, we did seat people. And so we went front to back. I thought we could fit maybe 80 or 90 socially distanced. But the way we did it, we were able – it also helped that we had a lot of families of six. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, by the way. Like, that's the best. Like two, Perfect two, number. Twos and threes are tough, but it's okay. We love them all. But I'd say that was a huge, huge thing. It really just made the overall experience just smoother and better. But to Todd's point, man, just teaching the word, singing some songs, people are just ecstatic over that and, and love that. How about you, Leslie? I would say I I like the way at Family Church, we usually tell people what to expect. And so Mm -hmm. I think the fact that we set our expectations and kind of tell them what's going to happen so that they know this is what's going to happen and it happens and we can all enjoy it together. I think that that's super helpful. So just to remember to do that, especially, you know, when you have certain things that you want to communicate about, should we be touching each other and all those kinds of things to just, you know, set that right out front. So people are hearing it, like Todd said, from their shepherd and they can follow. Yeah, the last thing I would just contribute is I would just encourage everybody in every locale, every size church, do everything you can to follow the guidelines that the CDC puts out, that your local government is putting out, that your state government is putting out. Follow the guidelines. I know there's a part of us as Christians and as Americans that just wants to buck the trend. We all want to wave our, you know, don't tread on me flag. And that actually resonates with me. That's my natural instinct. But as pastors and as shepherds, like you were talking about, Todd, I just think we should do everything we can to comply to the recommendations and the guidelines that are presented when it comes to masking, when it comes to distancing, when it comes to hospitality, when it comes to food, when it comes to all of these things, because I'm not living in fear of this virus. And I don't even know if any of these guidelines, some of them I think are probably more effective than others. It doesn't matter. I'm trying to be a good neighbor. And part of being a good neighbor is not just being a good neighbor. It's the other neighbor thinking that you're a good neighbor. Mm. So what does it take? for me to make the neighbors think that we're being good neighbors. You know what that is? That's part of loving someone else, putting someone else before yourself, uh, caring for them and laying down our rights 
for the sake of the gospel. And that's what we want to do. And I know that's what our listeners want to do too. So check it out, guys. Any way that we can help you, we will. Any of our resources program that you want to use, you can. You don't have to ask anything that you want to take from us and slap your name on it. Go ahead. You don't. None of it's trademarked. It doesn't matter. We want you to have it all. And if there's a way that we can help you, we will. Because we really aren't. We're a large church when you add it all up. But the truth is, you just heard the numbers. I mean, our largest campus had 400 people. And our next largest campus had 200. Mm-hmm. And the rest of our campuses had 150 or less. And so we are actually a network of small and medium-sized churches. And we actually do know a lot about what's happening. We're live teaching. We're live local leadership. We're not broadcast. We're not video venue. And we would love to help you, encourage you, interact with you. So email us, call us, hit us up on social media. And we're going to keep talking about what it's like pastoring, leading churches in the apocalypse. This is Jimmy Scroggins, Leslie Bennett, Steve Scalisi, Todd Thomas, Carly Seelman, signing off. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.